Remember, whatever the price, I'll beat it. I like living. Hello, and welcome to 2C1C, a Game of Thrones living card game podcast founded in 2010 by myself, Will Lentz, Greg Atkinson, and Brad Zeiler. These days, my co-hosts may differ, but we're generally pulling from at least some familiar core voices. Many thanks go out to Fantasy Flight Games' George R. Martin, Card Game DB, and Josh Woodward for the CC licensed music you're hearing now. This is Season 5. Welcome to another episode of uh, Two Champs and a Chump. Things are moving right along with Second Edition, uh, but first we we've got some uh, well, okay, it's some related news. It's not some other news really, but it is related. Uh, Aaron was just regaling me with some uh, Gen Con news here. Why don't you lay that on the listeners? We've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday for Thrones tournaments at Gen Con. Thursday at Gen Con will be melee. At 8 a.m., I'm assuming that's pre-registration, and the terminal started at a much more reasonable 9, but we shall see. Wow, that uh, is insanely early, it still feels like. Aren't they normally 10? Uh, says 8 a.m. on the site, that's all I know. I mean, it it may very well be this year. I was just, just thinking normally they're a little later. I mean, well, given how long uh, Joust went last year, I can see them bumping it up an hour. Yeah. So is that the same time Joust starts on Friday? Joust on Friday, the exact same time. And then on Saturday at the much more reasonable 10 a.m. is the 2.0 tournament. Because everyone will be very, very hungover that day. Yeah, interesting considering it will have the largest turnout of any of those three. Do you think it'll have the largest? I would expect the, uh, the big Joust one to have at least as big a turnout. Mm, I don't know. It's a tough call. People are going to be ditching first ed in droves, I think, uh, once they get their grubby little hands on those second edition boxes. Um, and you know what? It's a big con. There's a lot of other things to do. As much as I love Thrones, I'm not sure I want three of my days to be just Thrones with no time for anything else. There's a good chance I'm going to ditch something. That's what you get for liking Melee, because I'm totally ditching Melee. Well, also, hey. uh, Tommy wants to drop in because he's texting me. He refuses to cast. He's very tired. Long week. Love you, Tommy. Uh, Tommy wants to drop in that he's really excited that the Thrones 2.0 pre-release has 200 pre-reserve seats, which is easily their biggest ever. Uh, last year, Warquest, Warhammer, whatever that Warhammer crap is. Warhammer Conquest? Uh-huh. That crap. Had only 94, and that was after they bumped it up after selling out. So we are doubling their, or more than doubling their biggest ever. Sweet. Well, hopefully we put that to good use then. Um, yeah, we are. Okay. Well, aside from that, we even have another brand spanking new preview article. FFG is just laying those on us something fierce right now. Got to get everything done. Uh, I mean, one a week. You're going to run out of time if you don't start putting them out. Yeah, yeah. They've got to really move on that quick now. So we've got a bunch more, uh, well, 
new cards. I was about to say news, but honestly, there's not really any detail here uh, in the article itself that's new to us. We already kind of knew what Reserve was going to do. We already knew from the last article that you're going to be able to run a second copy uh, of a single one of your plots. Um, so, you know, that info and kind of the breakdown of the stats on the plot are not that new to us. Not that exciting. Probably hoping to catch some new players that are just now seeing these articles. Um, it's also nice for once it's released, if anyone like just happens to pick up a set or is curious how the game works, for them to be able to look back and go, oh, here's what plots are. Right. But um, there is, I mean, there's really nothing new about plots except reserve value. Yeah. And, or at least nothing announced new about plots except reserve I mean, value. And stats, we understand how that works. Stats seem to be tweaked here. I mean, let's let's walk through some of those spoilers uh, or previews, however you want to word that. Um, also, and by the way, most of the art looks pretty gorgeous. There's a couple of these I'm a little questionable about, but this first one looks pretty good. A couple of these are blatant reuses, but you yeah. get to do the first one. Go right ahead. Okay, this is uh, our new version of Wildfire Assault. This time around, it has four gold, seven initiative, and one claim, with six reserve. Scheme and war. And one revealed, each player chooses up to three characters he or she controls. Kill each character not chosen, cannot be saved. So the, the revealed text is essentially the same. Um, I like ah. Bold. But we've got the cool bold, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, I like the bold definition. That makes it much more straightforward. Uh, we kind of barely touched on it last week. It's nice to see. It looks like maybe all the plots are getting traits of some kind this time around. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then we've got those sweet, sweet stats. Uh, I feel like this is a direct relation to them realizing how good um the seven initiative was on aftermath yeah i can see like that. that that high initiative if you're gonna low, if you're gonna thin the board you really do want to go first so that you're not thinning the board to then just like shoot yourself in the foot right it's interesting you know from what we've kind of heard about the way characters are being pushed it only goes up one gold though yeah uh, and then well, they don't want to let you refill your board too quickly it's not like hey i just put us both down to three, and now I'm going to refill with, like, four more guys, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, the reserve there, from a quick glance at the rest of the plots, I, I don't want to dig too much into them until we get to them, but at a quick glance, that six seems to be average to maybe upper average. Looks like most of them are five or six, so, you know, we loosely have a five or six card hand size now in Thrones. Um... That's fine. It just means you should be playing cards. There's occasional stuff that's higher and occasional stuff that's lower, depending on, like, lower seems to be more aggro, higher seems to be more control, which is very fitting. Yeah. And um, six as an average sounds fine. Like, if you think about uh, thrones, unless you're hoarding cards, like, you're usually around six. Eh, it's all right. I honestly, just for, like, symmetry's sake, wish the kind of default number was seven. Since that's the starting hand size, but oh well. Fair enough. Alright, the next plot we get is The Winds of Winter. It is the fear of winter arts and stats, which is really awkward. But doesn't the art look even more awesome? And the stats are not quite the same. 3 4 2. 
No? Isn't it a 242? Oh, 242 would be the original. True, true. Right. Um, it's got nothing with it, with that 342, except the winter trait and five reserve. I really am interested to see what the winter trait is. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to do something with these traits. I mean, hopefully they do more um, than some of the plot traits we had, like others or um, Intrigue Gambit, that sort of thing. But well, we'll see. If we have winter just on plots, like, do we need ravens? Can't we just have effects that trigger off that? Like, while while you have a winter, or while there is a winter plot revealed? Possibly. Probably leaves you room for it to be both summer and winter at the same time. Which I'm okay with. Not I don't it, honestly care. It could happen in 1.0, it was just less yeah, likely. Yeah, with the crowns and all, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested to see. Hopefully, if you're going to bother to put traits on all the plots, there will be more things that trigger off of them. We just haven't seen it yet. I just think that's really unexplored design space. That would be great. Yeah. Um, it would also do a lot to balance a card like Mirror or Wintertime Marauders, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're good cards anyway, but like if it's if you play that those winter plots, if you dedicate your plot deck to making them better, they really shine. Yeah. Also, it's worth noting there's flavor text on here. Have we seen any plots with flavor text in first edition ever? I have no idea. I ignore flavor text. But okay. Can you read that flavor text? Yeah, a cold wind was blowing out of the north, and it made the trees rustle like living things. All day, Will had felt as though something were watching him. Something cold and implacable that loved him not. Was it Kristen? Uh, no, no. That's, that's, love, that's love him, so... You know, it's interesting. I I noted that it was legible, but I hadn't bothered to actually read it before. And knowing that this is the uh, the art from uh, Fear of Winter, <laughs> and my intense hatred of that plot, is this FFG, like, thumbing their nose at me? I feel like it might be. I mean, from most people, that would just be arrogant and unlikely. But given that, like, we know you know Nate. Like, he's, you know, you've been yeah. to his house, or like mm-hmm. he's been over around you, you've had beers. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I I may have to ask him over drinks at Gen Con or something, because that's probably the only time he might answer uh, yeah. truthfully. Well, and we've got to get him to admit heads on pikes is his head. Yeah, right. I bet, I bet he won't have any qualms about uh, that one. Eh, never know. We'll see. Next up, you're a Feast for Crows. Yeah, uh, again, some pretty sick art here. Uh, this one is a 6-1-1 with four reserve. It's an edict. And as a reaction, after you win dominance, gain two power for your faction. It also has hidden down in the corner, plot deck limit one. Uh, it feels a little funky to have it so much smaller and squished down there in the corner, like Somebody might miss it, but we'll see. Again, nice use of that bold uh, text to set things off. So, what about the ability? Well, if it's a reaction, I mean, that means it can be cancelled, right? I would assume, just like a response. That's pretty interesting. Like, So can those reveals in bold be cancelled, well, hopefully. Well, if things cancel triggered effects and not specifically reactions, we don't know that. Right, right. Like, it could say cancel an event card, or cancel a reaction, or cancel, um, 
God, whatever they call responses or so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure reactions are just what responses are now. We haven't really had that detailed here, but I'm pretty sure that's what all the, the newer games have been using, Star Wars and Conquest and such, right? Yeah. But yeah. just don't give cancel a when revealed or cancel a triggered effect and that problem is resolved. Yeah. Like, be, just be specific in wording and with, uh, in case you didn't listen to Beyond the Wall, apparently, uh, K. Tom and Helix Hines are uh, editing second edition. Nice. I hope they were well paid for that. Well, knowing them, they would have done it for free. But like, <laughs> whether they were paid or not, you know, I'm just saying it's a big job. Oh, I'm sure. But like considering how meticulous both are, I would assume that cancer, cancel triggered effects would be something that would be like on their radar. You know? Yeah, probably so. What about the uh, the effect and such itself? I don't First, know if I, I did. The really? I mean, I'm I, fine I mean, with it. It's pretty hard, but like, it's just a horse crawling out of mud, and that doesn't say a feast for crows to me. Mm-hmm. Like, can we at least get some damn crows in the art? Like, is that too much to ask? Yeah, yeah. Or at least have the animals be dead or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, the four reserve kind of worries me a little bit. I I don't know. I I would guess I need to kind of see how this does in play, but judging by first edition, I'm I'm not really sure that this effect is going to be worth me probably having to trim my hand down. I mean, it's like Minstrel's Muse, right? Like that's the closest equivalent. Yeah, but the stats on Minstrel's Muse are so much better. Well, this is our highest gold so far at six. It is, but just that that one initiative sucks. If this was like a six five one or something, just kind of basing yeah. off of what Wildfire just was, or, then or I would be intrigued. Or a six one one with a six reserve. Yes, yeah. Then I would be like, oh, okay, yeah. I think this is definitely one of the weaker ones. Although, limit one per plot deck means that, that playtesting that said it's not that weak. It was really strong, yeah. If it was anything, I'm going to guess it's the gold that justified that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know we've got six and seven gold characters that are hard to get out. So yeah. if you set up whatever the modern equivalent of a gold road is, being able to pop one of those turn one or turn two should be fairly huge. Mm-hmm. Although popping one turn one or two without anything else on the board seems claimy dangerous. Alright, what do we have next here? I want to say Counting Coppers. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Alright, Counting Coppers is clearly Littlefinger holding a coin, right? Has it's to be. 231 with a 10 reserve. It's a kingdom. When revealed, draw three cards. That seems... Pretty cool. The the draw's great. That reserve sounds awesome. The thing is, I've got this feeling you're going to need that reserve because if they're pushing that gold curve up, like, two gold on a plot already stings pretty bad in first ad. Like, there are some two gold plots that I like that I just never play because that hurts too much. And I feel like that's going to hurt even more now. So. Um, this is a plot that everyone's going to freak out about, everyone's going to run two of until they realize how hard it is to make that two gold actually work. This is a card, though, that gets significantly stronger as um, second edition ages, and we have more and more control effects. Right. So if you have a, like, really and strong... And more income. Right. Well, but, yeah, more income locations and providers to offset the two, but even more than that, like, if you're spending gold for events, if you have, like, all those powerful events in hand, 
that would be a very good way of shutting down an opponent, even mm. with relatively low gold. I think I think once the uh, field gets a little more mature, or the pool that is, to that point uh, we're kind of talking about, counting coppers is likely to be a good candidate for a two-of in a deck uh, to really keep keep your options full without having to devote the draw deck slots to it. I agree completely. It's just, I feel like this is a card, and it's an evergreen card, so that's always worth noting, mm-hmm. but I feel like this is a card that's not actually relevant for quite a long time. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's two years before anyone actually makes this work. Yeah, unless it's Greg. Right. Got, got a feeling Greg's doing it right out of the corset. <laughs> um, frightening, but probably true. Alright, what do we have next here? Reinforcements. Uh, yeah, reinforcements. This is one that I felt uh, I felt a little off about on the art. Um, especially, like, I don't know, the, the style just definitely seems different from the others we've seen so far. But then, in particular, when you look at the clothing, like on Tyrion and such, like, th- that's just Peter Dinklage's outfit from the HBO show, and then they just had yep. to obviously tweak his face so that it didn't look exactly like Peter Dinklage. Yeah, which, it's, def- it's yeah. Tyrion with Bronn and Klansman just walking. Yep. Um, it's it's at least a clear scene from the first book, right? Uh, second, maybe I don't know. First or second? No, the the first book when um he is that the second book? No, it has is the second book. You're right. Where he goes to get the clansmen, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's oh, the wait. second. Eh, whatever. Whichever book it is, it's a very clear scene when he goes to get them, and they are the reinforcements for his father's army. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so we didn't really talk about the effect or anything. Yeah, reinforcements is a one zero one with six uh, reserve. It's a kingdom and a war uh, traded plot, and when revealed, choose a character with printing cost five or lower in your hand or discard pile and put it into play. So f- effectively, a six zero one. Um, good control over when you use it. Flexible to be in hand or discard, better reserve than uh, Feast. I think I like Reinforcements more than Feast. Um, I like I definitely like it more than Feast. Um, I'm, for the time being, I think it's better than Counting Coppers, too. It's a good way to counter a fair amount, I think. Um, like, if, ow, if you're running key characters, then, like, you're going to want dupes. And I believe that Jon Snow would be grabbed by this, right? Uh, it's printing cost five or lower. I'm, I What's thought, he? Is, is thought it John John's? had like seven, six, six it looks like. Oh, is it? You found it quickly? Good yep. job. I have is it that, in another tab. Yeah, me too, but that screen totally froze on me. Okay, so I guess it's not as good depending on what the five cost slot is. Um, I'm semi-assuming that five is going to be the new three. Yeah, that's that kind of what I'm thinking. That four and five are around what three is now. So if that's the case, then this is going to grab you some really good characters as the game matures. And for the time being, it's probably going to grab at least solid characters. Like, we know it's going to grab Danny's Dragons, right? Um, I mean, at least we're pretty sure that it grabs all of them. We've seen some in the from the video spoilers, but I'm not sure if it's all. Um, pretty sure we got all. Although, okay. again, this... That screen is totally frozen, so it's not going to happen. Um, I see one, oh, two, 
Oh, all three, right here. Oh, yep, there's the third one. Yep, I missed this. Drogon, Rhaegal, and Viserion. All three are uh, two gold or three gold. Yeah. And one of them is um, one of them is incredible. Um, we're going to talk about Danny for two seconds, because we have to, for this to make any sense to people who haven't seen the spoilers. Danny, while standing, gives each participating opponent character a negative one strength. Um, she's a giant seven gold monster, but all the different hatchlings do something for her. So one gives renown, one gives stealth. Those are fairly standard. But the third, um, if she wins a challenge, or a Stormborn character wins a challenge, which is her, it allows her to restand. So that means you could use her in a challenge once per phase, but you can w- use her in a challenge, restand her, and then like continue to get that negative one bonus. Which is um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you don't want you basically if you have Danny, like that Rhaegal is going to be incredibly important. So being able to get it back with reinforcements or get a dupe of it back with reinforcements sounds like a really good idea. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. Okay, okay, so let's see. What are you up with next? Next is a noble cause. Um, that is a five zero one kingdom and noble. Six reserve, which really does seem to be the natural thing. Reduce the cost of the first lord or lady character you marshal this round by two. There we go. Effectively seven. Well, yeah, because you're controlling when you play it. Yeah. Well, I mean, lord or lady, I'm hazarding a guess that these expensive, unique characters are mostly going to be lords and ladies. Your Tywins, your Red Vipers. Uh, let's see, John, did he get uh, Lord Trade or anything? No, just Bastard and no, Steward. He, he should know, in fairness. Yeah. Like but I mean, early most of those also. big, unique characters are going to have one of those traits, I'm sure. Even Khal Drogo's a lord. Oh, yeah, see, there you go. And and this still gives, like, even more flexibility than reinforcements to still have gold to spend on events if need be. Um, What's that a picture of? It's got to be Sansa, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't in a really... In black dress this early? Yeah, I don't really catch the connection oh, to the... I, I, I do, I do. It's her begging for Eddard's life. Uh, Remember when she comes to get on her knees and beg for his life at the okay. in the first book? Gotcha. Now it makes sense. Okay. Once you said sense, it clicked. The red hair for me always immediately. I'm like, that's not Melisandre. Yeah, definitely not Melisandre. She's only on her knees for a very different reason. Yep. Um, I think this is a very good card. Like, I don't know how it evolves with the game, but early on with the limited gold. Uh, with limited gold, I think this is a very good card. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be very solid. If, if I'm looking for big income plots, which I probably will, it sounds like, this is my favorite out of the ones we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, if the game's going to be built around big characters, and like, if you're going to have seven gold characters, if you want them to be played, the game has to be built around them, right? Like, otherwise, why bother? Right. Just play two, three gold dudes and get the same basic effect. Mm-hmm. So if the game is going to be built around these giant, flashy, powerful characters, then, yeah, I mean, this plot's going to be needed early. Otherwise, like, you're not going to get a lot of those into play, or you're going to be risking it outside of Lannister, I'm assuming. Yeah. And you know what makes those characters risk? Incoming claim. Yeah. 
You know what our next plot does? Yeah, combo for Westeros. This is you, right? Yep, sure enough. It's a 5-3-1 with six reserve. It's a summer plot. When revealed, name a challenge type. Until you reveal a new plot card, reduce the claim value on the attacking player's revealed plot card by one during challenges of that type in which you are the defending player. Plot deck limit one. I find this kind of interesting that it got the plot deck limit because, I mean, we have this effect in first edition and, you know, like, it's semi-popular. It's kind of came and went depending on the deck type and all. But this is even a more limited version because it's only lowering claim in one challenge, you know? Yeah, it's loyalty money can buy for one challenge. But given... Like, how likely you are to be spending all your gold on one character, I can see it as a necessary evil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't want to drop Eddard or Daenerys or something, turn one, and then they just die to military claim. Right. Instantly. You get hit with the wrong stealth, like the modern carrion bird, and you're just, you know, sad. Yeah. Oh, uh, this one has the summer trait, though, so at least we know we're getting that on plots. Yeah. I really, really want like there to be characters that key off these traits. I hope so. Maybe that'll be part of the first cycle or something. That'd be kind of a cool way to seed things. I, mean, I don't know if there's enough summer and winter um, plots, just given that we've only seen one winter and one summer so far. Yeah, like, I'm as just we saying, go. Yeah, just kind of seed it, just so people are familiar with seeing the trait and then build on it in a later set. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Do that set one. Do uh, set two. Do some um, shadows. Yeah, exactly. You just, know we're getting shadows. Just in mirror early. the themes of the previous uh, sets in the same yeah. order. It'll be yeah. perfect. Do them without breaking the game, and we're all set. Yeah. Like just sort of skip over that Meester's one. <laughs> okay, so that seems decent. What's up next? Next up would be Filthy Accusations, I believe. Oh, I recognize that art. This this pains me. As much as I like the art, I just I just want it to be, uh, what was that, City of uh, Sin? No, uh, City of Lies. Lies, yeah, this is Lies. So it's Viserys spying on Robert and Cersei talking, it looks like. Maybe Eddard and Cersei. I definitely uh, someone in Cersei. I don't know if that's Eddard because the cloak is wrong. It's, but yeah. well, it's not Jamie because the hair is wrong. Yeah, I think Robert's a reasonable guess. Yeah, he probably wouldn't have been carrying that sword around though. Kind of weird. Mean, if it were just white, it could have been a uh, a king's guard, and we would have saved trouble. But oh, well. right. Uh, either way, four 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 one scheme. Six reserve when revealed. Choose a Neela character. Eh. Just eh. I mean, it's good, but like, seems all right. It's another one I I could see wanting to double up on. I mean, we haven't seen much in the way of really like controlly plots so far. This may be one of our better options. I mean, we don't know where Neil goes, so it's going to be hard to say without knowing a lot more. I mean, they're like, not dropping Neil entirely, I'm sure. No, I'm sure someone has Neil. Like, um, I mean, our earlier discussions have all said, like, Lannister had 18 different themes that were all really powerful in first edition, so it's likely that they get moved around, right? Like, Lannister's not keeping I, gold, and Neil, and card draw, and whatever infamy it is, and, like, everything I'm, else. Okay, I'm willing to give up card draw. Tyrell can have that. Everything else should be Lannister. 
<laughs> okay. Um, and I mean everything else. See, I'm, I I'm talking uh, ambush. I, I'm talking vengeful, uh, intimidate, all of it. Okay. So when you're done being a Lannister fanboy, I've never thought Neil fit particularly well. And like, I know I'm completely alone in this, but I felt I've always felt like Lannister is the kill house. They kill more notable characters than everyone else combined. Uh, your point being. They should be the kill house. Like, I don't think they should have Neil. I think oh, they should. They, should, they should have Neil. direct kill instead of Stark. Yes, yeah, Stark. I, I could literally see that direct and direct just key it all off of intrigue instead. Yeah, Stark literally direct kills no one of note. I can't think of anyone they direct kill. Uh, some like, of their, their own, own people. Guys. Yeah. yeah, their own people. Like they should be they the sacrifice house. Exactly. Yeah. So let Stark sacrifice themselves, and let Lannister, like Lannister, kills Eddard and Rob and mm-hmm. and uh, move Neil in that case. The Viper. Do you move um, that to like Tyrell? No, that's got to be Brathian, right? Like they're the king. Who do you kneel before? The well, king? they're the king for three quarters of one novel. No, they're I, the king. I don't think forever. that counts. Brathians are currently the kings of the realm. And Just because I, he's not think, really a Brathian doesn't mean his last name is Brathian. I think most everyone knows that the no. power... No, no, no. The power does not come from the house Brathian. The power is 100% Lannister. Eh, you kneel before the throne. What if you're Stannis, though? Nobody kneels before Stannis. Uh, I mean... He keeps demanding that people do it, but no one like does. Jon Snow did. Eh... Melisandre does like no 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 no. Stannis kneels before Melisandre. Let's get Renly, that straight. Renly kneels all the damn time. Yeah, but that was just in front of the Night of Flowers. Yeah, see, look, lots of kneeling and breathing. I don't know. I don't see kneel. I don't. <laughs> they see kneel their own head people head. to do things. That one I would buy. They kneel everybody. Everybody's kneeling for them. Whether they're how they're kneeling is completely debatable. Yeah, maybe you know I would almost see an argument to make them the kill house too with the whole shadow baby stuff. Yeah, but that's one time. Lannister kills, like, eight people. Yeah, it's a couple times, maybe. No, there's one shadow baby. Well, yeah, that we see. And, the, again, that's killing their own people. So? He was still a notable death. Eh. I, I don't see it in Brera. Whatever. Yeah. Let's move we're on. Get, We've we're had this conversation, like, eight times. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so... Oh, go ahead. We're done with Filthy, basically, right? Next up? Yeah. Next up, Game of Thrones. This is the gorgeous uh, cover art from the first box and the uh, very first League play mat, which was pretty awesome. Um, it's a 4-2-1. It's a scheme with six uh, reserve. A player cannot initiate a military or power challenge unless he or she has won an entry challenge this phase. That effect sounds familiar. One second. It's Shadows and Spiders, but yeah, I would just like to note how cool it is that they actually said he or she and included female players. Like minor things like that, I think really do help the game. It's good. It's good. I I don't know. It. I'm torn. I want to to be inclusive, but I also, as an English guy, understand it's really clunky. Yeah, clunky to say he or she, he or she, he or she on a bunch of stuff. Just say uh, she. Well, I I kind of liked how uh, I was reading rereading the rules for uh, I think it was Vampire the card game the the mm-hmm. Eternal Struggle uh, a couple weeks back, and I like like right up front in their rule book they said look we want to be inclusive but 
it's annoying and needlessly complicated to do that. So this is what we're going to do. If we're ever talking about like characters, like cards doing things to each other, it will always say he. If we're ever talking about players, it will always say she. We mean them like to, we mean for them to mean, you know, whatever gender neutral wise, but like this will be how we handle that. And it's also nice because it even kind of reinforces like the mechanical difference and helps you tell that at a glance when you're reading it. So I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, you could also just change he or she to that player. Right, right. Like, which avoids the issue entirely, which I'd also do. I'm fine with he or she, but I'm also fine with that player. And I don't know. Yeah. Like, that player. It doesn't really bother me. I just thought the other was an interesting way to handle it. I'm okay with that. I don't like it being he everywhere. I think that's unnecessarily exclusionary. And I know that it bothers several female gamers, and we want people to play the game regardless of gender, so we should try and be as inclusive as possible. Sure. Um, In the meantime, this is still super powerful. Seems like a good plot. This is another one. I mean, man, I have to say several of these are ones that I would definitely consider as candidates to run two of, which You cannot run two of this. My current... Oh, yeah. Well, number one, it's my current uh, rule of thumb. And number two, it is really easy to miss that plot deck limit one in the corner because I obviously (laughs) just did. Yeah. Um, Just wait till someone gets DQ'd at the launch tournament because of that. How absolutely overpowered would it be if you could just shut someone down with Shadows and Spiders two turns? Yeah, it it would definitely be better than Calm Over Westeros, you know? It'd be better than everything. I mean, like, think of it like... Who should be really powerful at Intrigue? My first assumption is going to be Tywin. Because he's the god of all things Intrigue. Oh, yeah. The books. Like, if Tywin has, like, a million Intrigue strength, and, like, he just stands there and you could play this twice, you're just like, I win now. That would be sad. Mm-hmm. So, Limit 1 is good, but the card is super cool, and I'm happy it's back. Yeah, and I like it. it has that little bit higher reserve because this effect, you know, leans toward the, that kind of control deck sort of thing. So it's good to see that reserve reflect that. I mean, I'd, li- I'd even like to see it a little bit higher. Um, but given that, like, in order for anything to happen, someone's losing an entry challenge, I could see why not. Yeah. I'm huh. interested to see if intrigue is as important as it was in first edition. Yeah, I I do feel a little worried that reserve is going to lessen its importance. I mean, certainly in like the first turn, because I I was saying earlier like it would be nice if if the kind of default was seven to mirror your starting hand size. Like mm-hmm. all of these reserves have been lower even than your starting hand size. So even assuming like you can draw two and then play two, you're probably having to discard. It's going to be interesting how they handle that with the gold curve, given the seven gold characters. Yeah. I don't know. Hard to say. I mean, a few of these plots, like, what, four or five is kind of the average? It's not as much higher as I would have expected. Yeah, I would have liked to see more like five or six being normal. Yeah. It is what it is. Well... Let's see, that sends us on to our next plot, and this one actually made me uh, think of something else. I don't think we've seen any uh, any stats kind of repeat, so to speak. The, these have been all over the place, uh, like a lot, lot wider variation in initiative, uh, it looks like, so far. So this is Storm of Swords. It's a 381. Uh, it, it has five reserve. It's a war. And you may initiate an additional military challenge during the challenges phase. 
So reserve of only five, huh? I mean, only five, but the the like aggro decks, like you know, I'm thinking about kind of a Siege of Winterfell ish type deck. What? Why do I know this art? Uh, I don't know. It looks very Greyjoy. I'm pretty sure like I've I seen this see art. Longship and all. I don't know, man. This one I don't recognize offhand. Someone will comment, hopefully. But uh, what's I think what's important about this, beyond whatever triggers off war traits, is that this beats wildfire in initiative. And if you start to like lose your hand, and they use wildfire to come back, they have those three characters, you win initiative and basically can wipe most of their board. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Do you think this is something you'd double up? Uh, no, because I don't really want to double up on plots as a general rule. Really, man? I'm nope. I'm thinking it's still going to be a good idea. The more I look at my first edition plots, like, the less likely I am to want two of any one, except Valar, and I'm Hopefully they won't if anything that. on Earth has limit one per plot deck, it's Valar. Yeah, I don't know. I I think there are some... You, there are decks where you would want to run two Aftermaths. Or where you aren't currently running an Aftermath and a Valor or something like that. Which is, I feel, going to be pretty similar to running two Wildfires. Um, I mean, if in a controlly enough deck I can see doubling up on Wildfire. But even then, like, it depends what kind of direct kill we have. It depends what else happens. Like, Wildfire never really got played all that much in 1st edition. I mean, again, we had Valar, so I see why, but I don't know. I think I'd rather have the variety and let people wonder if I'm playing that second one while getting the variety of different effects. I could always say I'm playing a second one and just lie. You could, or just try to win the game before you need the second copy of whatever yeah. it is, and they just won't know. I just feel like if there's any direct kill, this is a good way to get rid of big dudes. Mm-hmm. There's also a Drogo that's spoiled that seems to be something about getting extra military challenges. Yeah, yeah, you can see just the corner of his text box. Yeah, three military challenges. Whatever restriction there is on that sounds like just insanity. Oh, yeah. It would be pretty crazy. Dothraki become the new Siege of Winterfell. Maybe. I mean, it's pretty fitting for him, I think. Yeah, the Horde's charging everybody. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. What do we have up after Storm? The last one, I believe, no? Uh, last one in this article, yeah. Last one of the article. Yeah. A Clash of Kings, which looks like, awesomely, it is Robert fighting Rhaegar. No? Um, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Probably at the Trident itself, judging by, like, there's kind of a splash of water at the bottom. Yeah, I mean... That Robert looks to be, have a huge hammer. The other guy's in red. It's not the best art or the most detailed art. I mean, but. I'm not a huge fan of how they look for some reason, but I really dig the background. That looks yeah. cool. Yeah. So, a clash of kings. Um, and no kings ever actually fight in the actual clash of kings, right? Um, right. Not directly, anyway. So it is a four nine one, so it's the highest initiative we've seen, um, which is nice because this is clearly a closer. It's a reaction. After you win a power challenge, move move one power from the losing opponent's faction card to your own. So it's an extra claim on power challenges. I don't know why they didn't just write that, but um, I guess maybe they wanted the option for it to be canceled. I don't know. Maybe. But 
Man, that initiative is huge. You mentioning it being a closer, like in melee, that is going to be quite the closer. Yeah. It, although it does have to specifically be the losing opponent's faction card. Right, right. But still, you're going to be able to punch for that win exactly when you need to on the on that turn. Or at least, there's a really good chance. We haven't seen anything higher than 9 so far, have we? No, 9 is our highest. It's, it seems like this is at least an interesting card, depending on what they do with Rush. And I'm hoping they do something inter- interesting with Rush. Like, Rush can be good as long as they build it right. It's been effective in other games. Thrones has always had a really hard time balancing it. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think Reserve is going to help, like, Rush and Aggro deck some, because Control's not going to be able to hang on to as big of a mitt as they used to be able to. All right. You get my favorite... Actually, can I take the last one? It's my favorite plot in the game. What? Read two plots in a row? Come on, it's my favorite. I suppose. It is March to the Wall. Should we specify where this one came from, uh, since it's not in the article and people might be confused? It's a screen cap from the uh, teaser or trailer video. So, anyway, carry on now. It is March to the Wall, 4815 reserved, when edict, when revealed... Each player chooses a character he or she controls a fable and discards it from play. It cannot be saved. So, can I tell you why I like it so much? Two reasons, really. First, I like that... Like, I wish that Shadows and Spiders was still just called Shadows and Spiders, even if they changed the numbers, because that would make my brain feel much better about such things. And I really, really like that March does the same thing March is supposed to do. Yeah, that would, that would be a mess if they changed that up with the title. Well, but they changed Shadows and Spiders. They changed all these others. Like, when someone plays Game of Thrones, I'm immediately going to be like, all right, does not for entry? And, like, yeah. that's not what it does. March does what I want, what I think it does. That mm-hmm. is awesome and helpful and makes my brain hurt less. I and I've done that a lot more. Add an even better, like, stat line. Oh, a way crazy. better stat line. Yeah. 481 means that it is an amazing, amazing wildfire counter. Oh, yeah. Like, cause you get to, like, I'm assuming, and I guess this is a big assumption, but like, you still choose the order of plots if you're first player. You can yeah, go first. I don't see any reason why they would change that. Yeah, then now you both have two characters on the board. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Like, cause I'm assuming, you know, when you play it, you want to get rid of that, you can time it, you want to see that extra character, and you can double up on Marched. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. It's great to follow up your own Wildfire. Wildfire whittle down their board a little bit. And yep. then just be like, march whatever you have left. Keep it going, because they'll, yeah. at that point, for sure have something they were really counting on left. You and, know? Well, they could have played something else, right? Like, they could have played something that you didn't quite get for claim or something like that. Right. But you're much more likely to hit something. Yeah. yeah it seems really good. Yeah. Well, and overall, I think uh, plots are looking pretty excited. They're starting to get me awfully, awfully pumped about second edition. It can't come soon enough. I am absolutely ready to play the hell out of this. Yeah. Well, um, due to our scheduling uh, issues there, just winding up with Aaron and I tonight, I don't think we're going to try to tackle the rest of the the preview cards that people caught on the screen captures. Uh, We'll probably try and tackle them next week, hopefully, along with another uh, 
full-blown preview article from FFG at this rate. Yeah, props and slops, then. Um, you know, it's been a bit of a slower week, but uh, I've got some comic book props um, and comic-adjacent things. I've still been enjoying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pretty well. Uh, got to watch the the post-Ultron crossover episode, and I thought it was going to be kind of slow, uh, and in the end, a character died that I was pretty bummed about. Don't want to spoil that for anybody that might come pick it up, but... Uh, it definitely surprised me with that character's death. It felt like a bit of a waste. And then things, uh, because of that, got a little crazy. I think they're going to kick it off, and I think they're going to need a bigger budget than they've had. Uh, and they've done a pretty good job this season with the budget they do have, but, whew, boy. Um, aside from that, in comics, picked up the first issue of Secret War. Uh, I had high hopes that... that Marvel would be doing a better job with their big crossover event than DC is doing with Convergence, especially since they have similar uh, premises. And I was actually both pleased and disappointed to know that, nope, after this first issue, it does not appear that Marvel's doing any better of a job. Well, have you been reading Avengers? Yeah, yeah. If I'd been reading the last two years of Marvel comics... I hear that I would know everything and it would be perfect, but... It's an issue of Avengers. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous that they called this the first issue of their crossover because it is literally... Like, if you just made this Avengers number or whatever, yeah. it's just the next issue of Avengers. Yeah. So I'm super happy because this has been an amazing run of Avengers, but, like, Yeah, I wanted to just no pick it up because I haven't been following a lot of Marvel stuff closely. I did pick up the last issue of Fantastic Four, uh, we'll see how long that stays the last issue. At this rate, it may be a while. Um, so hedge my bets with that investment there. That may may move upward a little bit. I'm going to slap Convergence while we're here. The original Secret Wars was basically like a toy promotion where they just took a bunch of toys and smashed them together for 12 issues. Right. And that's exactly what Convergence feels like. No one has any it's, discernible motivation. It's bad, yeah. It's bad. It's just atrocious. Like I'm a little bit digging the like little two-issue miniseries from all over different points in time, but the main series is abysmal. I mean, half the miniseries are just like, hey, here's characters you vaguely remember from this specific time and how they've adjusted to living in a bubble. And it's yeah. like, wow, I don't care how they've adjusted to living in a bubble because this is not going to be something that exists for more than an issue. Two issues. Two, or, yeah. fine. No, but by the second issue, they're already fighting somebody and the bubble doesn't right. matter anymore. Right. Yeah, so, it's, it's a weird premise. I don't know what's up with it. They cut. They I had to cut short. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, they've had other stuff that's good. The I no. mentioned it before on here. The Futures End Weekly that they were doing was, yeah, that was fun. honestly really pretty good. And then they just suddenly cut it short at issue 48. Like, you can tell, like, Azarello had, like, some cool showdown, like, set up. And they get you to that issue where you can kind of just begin to see, like the shape of what that final showdown would be over the course of the next four issues. And then they're like, yeah, by the way, Convergence. See you later. What? I don't know. I super hate Convergence. Convergence makes me angry. I'm not looking forward to most of Secret Wars, but as long as it, like, Secret Wars is going to be a, 
like the way it looks is it's going to be a creative failure for most people, and it's going to be a huge, huge success for me. And I'm just self- selfish enough to be completely okay with that. Like okay. it's it's more Avengers stuff, and like uh, I've really loved this run of Avengers, and I'm fine with it just keeping going. I don't care if you name it a crossover; just keep giving me issues of Avengers. Maybe I'll have to back up and pick up some trades or something. I've been I mean, it's, working it's all the time runs out stuff, some different stuff. So, like it's it's a good like year ish, year and a half worth of Avengers and new Avengers. That is that's the time runs out stuff. Okay. Um, like two trades, er- maybe three. It's yeah, not his. Too bad. Hickman's early run was terrible because he was filling time until that giant, um, what was it, Infinity? The stupid, terrible crossover. Uh-huh. And, like, apparently, like, once he got that crossover out of the way that he was mandated to do, he was just like, oh, I have a story I actually want to tell, and it got good. Cool. So, well, that's definitely good stuff. I gotta say, that's all my props and slops for the moment. Um, me too. <laughs> All right. Good comic discussion. Good night, everybody. Good night.